You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. This is Station F, the podcast, and I'm your host, Roxanne Varza. This week, we catch up with some of France's new funds as there's a new generation of funds being created. We'll talk to Marie Eckland, who has recently founded 2050, as well as Jean de la Roche Prochard and Pierre Diribarn, who have founded New Wave. This episode is supported by Euronext, the leading pan European stock exchange. Hi, Marie. It's great to have you with us. Hi. Well, uh, we're really excited to hear about 2050. I hope that's how you say the, the fun name. Um, so 2050, I've read a lot about it, crafting a fertile future, wanting to get back, back to basics. And I have to start by asking you, is this not too fairy tale for the VC world? I think uh, the VC world and the world in general needs hope in the current moment and that it has mostly lost a lot about the reason that we're doing things. And so it's just a way of saying and putting back into our perspective, what are our goals, what are our purpose, and putting that right in the middle of the of the game, basically. So for me, it is a fairy tale. I hope that we will reach a fertile future in 2050. And that's my the personal story that I want to contribute to. But I think that if we are not dreaming anymore, then that's a big issue. Yes, you're, you're probably absolutely right that we don't have enough VCs that think like that. Now, tell me a little bit more concretely, what are you guys actually trying to build? What kind of companies are you looking for? What is different? What makes you guys different from another investment fund? Part of it is the investment strategy. Part of it is the way we structured the fund itself. And part of it is the way we structured the management company. So one of our main beliefs is that uh, to craft a fertile future, we need to have companies that are aligning their interests, their business interests with those of society and of the planet. To do that, we first try to say what is an aligned VC? You know, how do we do that? Uh, and how do we actually support companies in their alignment in the future? Because usually when you start growing and hyper-growing, there's always this question about uh, growth at all cost. And we're saying, well, we sh it shouldn't be at the cost of nature or a strong social cost. And so we're putting a lot of effort in trying to build fertile growth paths for our companies who are not uh, costing that much, basically. The way we structure the management company is that we are not shareholders of our company. So it's, it's not a partnership. Basically, 2050 is a company that is held by what we call a sustainability fund in France. It's like a perpetual purpose trust in the U.S. So it's a governance structure um, that is... Um, here just to make sure that 2050 will be true to its mission on the long run and will achieve its economic development and will be sustainable, etc. Um, and to make sure of that, we have stewards. So it's a steward ownership, which are representing our own ecosystem. So at that board of stewards, part of the stewards are members of the team, of the management team. Part of them are representing investors, so they're investors in the fund. Part of them are founders that we have funded. 
Um, and part of them are our first circle of venture partners and experts that we rely on to make our model scalable. So that's maybe a first, I think, in the VC world in saying we're out of the partnership model. It's a pure perpetual purpose trust holding all of the management company's shares and we're governed by our ecosystem um, in all the very strategic decisions, not investment decisions, but decisions at the management company level to make sure that we will actually stick to our mission of crafting a fertile future on the long run. This this is really fascinating. Um, why get away from a partnership model, though? What do you? I'm assuming you must feel something is broken about that model. Yes, when you're thinking about, we're in a business about alignment of interest. And I really wanted to have a pure model of being aligned both with our LPs, but also with our founders and with people working around them. And I think there's no better way of building that alignment than of aligning financial interest into only the performance of the fund and not into the value of the management company, but also in taking into account the visions and the experience and expertise of people coming from the different places of that ecosystem into the strategic decisions of the management company. That's incredible. And do you think that we'll see more funds like this? Or do you think the VC world is somewhat removed from thinking in this way? So I hope so. I mean, that's part of the fairy tale and of the dream <laughs> is that we will be pioneer in showing that way. One of the reasons that we've built 2050 is that we wanted to start with finance, basically, because finance has such a powerful influence on the rest of the economy. It's like machine learning, right? So if you show that this model can work, other people will follow. And so you guys are just so... Um... You're coming at it from such a different angle uh, in terms of how you're structured. Tell me, are, what are you expecting to see from, a, from an investment level? What kind of companies are you going to, are you radically shaking things up there as well? Yeah, so um, we also are pushing this, this alignment culture within our company. They do not have to be aligned when we invest, obviously. Um, but we really believe that the current economy and society is in a new phase of transition. Uh, we have the digital transition and digital transformation, but what we see today is this sustainable transition or transformation that is like digital transformation, tackling every company in every sector, in every geography, we believe line company is going to be the champions of that transition. One of the things that is fascinating for me who have lived through the digital transformation is how similar some of the features of these two kind of very strong transitions or disruptions show. For example, we have seen the changes are coming from people. So it's about all these people changing the way they consume, changing the way they choose a work, um, their, their career path, um, changing also how they make their investment decision, wanting to have their money uh, where their values are. And so it's coming from the people like uh, and from the change of behaviors of usage, just like digital. It was also driven by um, the young, the entrepreneurs and the researchers, which are always looking forward. And it's same thing cross sector and also 
showing how all kind of regulations, uh, some of them are becoming obsolete, etc. So our claim is to say that this is a whole new transformation of the economy, just like digital. And we are going to fund uh, the companies who are understanding this phase the best and who are uh, building this model, alignment model, where um, they're going to be the champions of tomorrow, basically. So that's number one, is saying we want companies who, who are understanding exactly what's happening and taking it into account in how they build their offer, in how they function internally and adapting their business model, but also in tackling major challenges that we're currently facing. So when you were talking about back to basics, Roxanne, in the intro, um, it's exactly that. I mean, how do we make sure that people are going to eat enough and eat well, eat healthfully in the 10, 15, 20 years from now? Because when you start digging into the whole food chain, you realize that it's not going to be resilient to climate change. So what do you change? How do you do that? So it's everything around companies who are tackling these very deep challenges that our society are facing and adapting their way of functioning to the new norm of what people are asking, which is basically that the economy is not harming society nor the planet. Wonderful. And I'm I'm wondering what does that mean on like a more concrete level? So um, I think this is this is perfect because we can really see that you're looking for very mission-driven companies. Um, but in terms of check size, in terms of stage, what kind of investments will you guys be making? So that's another one where we kind of got out of the VC model is by saying it's, it's very difficult to, to be aligned by yourself. Um, and the current model, I mean, the current economy is really pushing companies to uh, misalignment. I love talking about the Netflix example. Reed Astings, the CEO. It just said a couple of years ago that his um, main competitor was sleep. Our second key sector that we've been digging into is health. And when you look at health and what is one of the basic things that you need to be in good health, the number one is sleep, basically. So having a CEO of a company talking to all his employees and saying, you know, we need to fight that very strong competitor, which is the number one health factor of your customers, it's just, it's just not working at some point, right? It, it cannot work in the long run. You know, this kind of growth at all costs, we believe, needs to be changed. It's not that at some point the, the company wakes up or the CEO wakes up or the founder wakes up and says, you know, I'm, I'm really going to misalign. It just deviates with growth. It deviates with um, short-term return demand, it, competition with all this. And so the whole question is, how can you build an ecosystem around the company that is going to be able to make the market switch and that you can get rid of all these too demanding financial returns or competitive edges, et cetera? So to answer your question, um, what we decided to do is to invest in ecosystems. And that means we will invest in young companies, in bigger companies, in different sectors, and so it's going to be ticket size raising from 1 to 15 million euros. Um, and the fund itself is an evergreen fund, meaning that it lasts 99 years. Um, and so we're going to be able to follow on on companies, even if we start at seed level until Series C or, or 
keep our stake within companies. So it's a very different model of saying we're not investing at one particular stage or geography, but more a building ecosystem or tackling one particular topic and making sure that we have the right players within that ecosystem. That's remarkable. I think also the the Netflix example is so interesting because probably so many investors would look at it very, very differently. Um, but I'm glad that if sleep is the biggest competitor that we do combat that somehow. Um, now I'm wondering, I've also seen a lot in the press that They've mentioned you want to invest a billion between now and 2030. Is that correct? Yes. How, how does this play out? So the plan is to raise around $150 million per year. One of the structural decisions we took was to build an evergreen fund. It's more classic in the U.S. or in, in the U.K., but it's less so in Central Europe to have evergreen VC funds. And that means you need to build liquidity at the fund level. So we've put a lot of effort in building mechanism, um, like listing the fund or things like that, so we can build liquidity at the fund level. But that is very important because that's the only way we think we can truly be aligned with our founders, because we can follow their own agenda on the right strategy for the company, because we do not have to impose a liquidity, um, liquidity date to the founders if they want to sell to a strategic um to a strategic acquire like five six years from now be my guest that's absolutely great but if you want to uh, remain private for 10 15 20 years that's okay as well and that is what we believe will make us able to build Decacorns are really big companies, basically, who can become, because they have the time to do so, the champions of tomorrow. And so the whole idea is to say we can build position within companies as well, who are the uh, the one who wants to uh, who want to become leaders and who need more capital. And so we can grow a position within a company because we will have such a big fund. So even if we started with 10, 15 million euro as a first ticket, it can grow to 50 million if we want to. Um, and so that's the uh, the way we build the portfolio is really around making sure that it's adapted to the potential of the company and that we have a liquidity strategy that is not harming the company. Wow. So we can kind of see that the name 2050 is really relevant <laughs> for the fund. Um, I'm wondering, have you guys made any investments to date? Yes. The only public one that I can talk about, I'm sorry, I cannot disclose the second that is already done. But the first one is um, within WeThings. So WeThings is more on the later stage of the scope. So it was uh, we participated to the 50 million euro round that was raised last July. So WeThings is a digital health platform. They are using connected health objects like scales or watches. Um, what is super interesting, it's, it's the company has been active for more than 12 years, maybe 11. And they're, they have always been super good in building quality data. That is so precise that, for example, when the scale had been used for six or seven years, they realized that 
when someone was on the scale, he or she would stay something like 20 seconds on the scale and his or her weight would change a little, just a little bit. And so they were wondering what that bug was, right? So it's like, why, why is this changing? There must be a bug somewhere. But when they looked deeper into it, well, they realized it was no bug. It was just that they were so accurate in their um, data that they were measuring the flow of blood coming from the heart to the feet. Wow. And that what was surprisingly interesting was that from one day to the other, that difference of weight, that so very small difference of weight, could vary in time. And they realized that it was actually linked to the quality of the vessels. And so they could actually predict, is a better word, uh, that some person was kind of in danger of cardiovascular events because their uh, vessel were tightening so which was not a good sign and so they could say you know you should go and see your doctor because something's not going well the reason i like that example is that it shows how big a platform uh, of health daily life uh, we things actually already is um, and so what they did is they did some research around that with a lot of doctors and clinical studies and so now the, the weights and the scale is um, allowing to measure this and to, to send health signals. And the same thing happens for their sleep mattresses, where you can um, diagnose sleep apnea um, and things like that. And to go even further than that, it could be a platform just to understand um, clinical trials around more natural therapies. Is it working or not? Because they have data, health data, very precise health data at home on a daily basis. So it's a whole new way of thinking about, you know, how you could be healthier on a daily basis. And the um, interesting part about it is that they're really trying to integrate that not only with research, but also within your um, own knowledge about your health and understanding your body and also with a social infrastructure so you can also because social links are a very big part of your um, daily health to try to see how they can have a holistic view and under and make people feel better uh, on a daily basis so for us it was an important uh, you know pillar investment pillar of our health strategy which is all around not curing very rare disease, but more how do people feel better um, in their daily life? Um, how do they optimize their immune system and things like that? Wow. Well, I think that's a super first investment. Uh, a lot of stuff we didn't know about with things as well. Um, and we'll be excited to see what the second one is. Now, I want to take a step back and just, you're nobody new to investment. I mean, you've You've been at Elia, you were at Daphne, and now at 2050. Tell me just a little bit, how do you feel you personally have evolved as an investor? Oh, that's a big question. The interesting part is I believe you're a better investor when you know yourself better. Because actually an investment decision is a time allocation decision. Because if you really want to make a difference at a company level, it means you need to spend some time to understand what the company is actually doing, to build trust relationship with the founders um, and with the board. 
And you cannot do that with that many companies. So that means when you kind of choose to invest in a company, you need to really believe in it at a level that you believe is so important that you think it will actually make a difference. And that's the way I think, actually. It's it's not the way everybody thinks, but that's my way of thinking, is that I want to believe so strongly at the mission of one of that particular company that it will be transforming that society in a way that I believe if it succeeds, I will and my kids will live in a better society in 10 years from now, in a more fertile society. And so that I want to spend a significant amount of my time in the next five, six, seven, eight years or more with these people trying to achieve that mission. And so knowing yourself makes you understand better um, the, the answers that you have to these questions. And these questions are twofold. One is all about it, the ambition of the mission and how it actually fits to your vision of the world and of the future you want to contribute to. But it's also the fact that you're actually teaming up with the founding team and do you believe that you will be able to have a sufficient cultural fit and trust relationship to really be able to contribute? Because if you don't do that, well, that means it might be a very good investment. It just means you're not going to, the time you're going to spend on it is not going to be valued. I don't know if you'll believe me, but I have never heard an investor give that kind of a personal answer before. I think that's incredible. I think we'll probably have to call you the human investor at some <laughs> point. <laughs> um, now, just to get kind of some thoughts on the French ecosystem and how it's evolving. Um, what do you what do you feel about France's current funding situation? I think it's never been as good as it is. What do you feel? What do you see in your companies at Station F? I mean, I, I think the French scene is really pushed by a lot of um, new, very strong and successful companies that are, have been emerging in the last two, three years and that have brought a spotlight on France. And so that we're seeing a lot more ambition, a lot more international investors. And so I would I would say there's more capital and more experienced investors uh, for the French scene than there was before. Would you would you see that on your end, Roxanne? Yes, I think we're we're seeing a very kind of exciting time uh, for the ecosystem as a whole. I wouldn't even say it's specific to funding. But yeah. um, I do think that I'm wondering also from an investor perspective, are you feeling more competition given that there's a new generation of funds, there's a mm -hmm. lot of international funds that weren't here before? Is that something that you're feeling? I haven't felt it that much because our positioning at 2050 is kind of unique in the sense that it's a mix of purpose and ambition. I see that a lot of founders who are seeing the world as it is and who are understanding that we are actually in this transition phase that I was talking about before, um, they want investors who are capable of seeing that as well and of supporting them in how to embrace that phase at the board level. So I don't feel that much competition from my seat 
because I really feel an appetite for different type of VCs who are more purpose-driven, who are more mission-driven, but who are still having the same level of ambition. Very interesting. I do know a lot of investors might answer that very differently, but I think it is it is probably true that given how different your positioning is, and also I think your personal track record, um, that you probably wouldn't experience the same amount of competition. I'm going to end with one last question. Um, just given how much of a different approach you have to literally everything, <laughs> where do you feel, where do you feel France has the most potential to lead? Huh. Well, I think this is exactly what I'm trying to do. I think it's not yet mainstream that when I'm framing this kind of um, sustainable transition or alignment wave or, you know, fertile mutation or whatever you want to call it. Um, this is not a vision that is framed everywhere. And I really believe that from our French culture and even European culture from where we come from, we've always been sensitive to social justice, to environmental issues, etc. And so that we should actually lead the way in taking that wave and transition. And we should not stick to just the digital transformation and say we need to build digital champions, but just we need to say, absolutely, I mean, digital is still the future and we definitely need um, its strengths and power to tackle other challenges we have. But we also need to understand that the new champions that we need to build are these aligned players that are building fertile futures for our kids. And if we can lead the way there, I think we actually are pioneers in that sense. And that if we manage to build role models of this, the rest of the world can follow. Because as you were saying, you started with that, it's a fairy tale. So if we can make the fairy tale a little true, then we will be role models for others. Super. Marie, thank you so much. And I definitely agree with everything you just said. I'm glad there's some investors that are the fairy tale. Um, and thank you also for being the human investor. Thank you, Roxanne. Great to have you with us. Next up, we're speaking to Pia and Jean from New Wave. All right, Jean, Pia, it's great to have you both with us. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Roxanne. Thanks for having us. Wonderful. Well, you guys have essentially launched the hot new fund, um, and we're going to dive into it and the backstory and exactly what you guys are doing. But before we do that, I want to know why is there a need for a new fund? The reason why New Wave exists, it's, it's because Pia and I feel comfortable investing at seed stage. Uh, that's what we've been doing for the past five, six years. And uh, we felt that uh, we would, you know, we would thrive at that. So what you advise people to do when they're looking for the next gig or to do something, you uh, advise them to do something that uh, they are great at. Okay. And I think this is what we, what we, what we know. Um, the second thing is that if you look at the landscape of venture capital firms in, in Europe, and especially at seed stage, um, you have locals. And a handful of them European uh, uh, focused, but uh, the number of, of 
very ambitious seed funds in Europe is still quite limited. And we felt like there was a space to build cross-European ambitious seed funds to back the new wave of entrepreneurs because there are more and more operators and entrepreneurs coming from their companies and launching new companies. And it's going to create a new wave of repeat entrepreneurs. Super. Well, I think we can clearly see where the name comes from. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna ask you guys in just a minute to kind of dive into the investment thesis and what kinds of investments we can see from you. But before I do that, I also just kind of want to get the backstory. Like, how do you guys, how do two people like you come up with the idea to launch a fund together? Were you guys like sitting around bouncing ideas off each other? Or how did the idea and the discussion actually come about? Maybe I can answer to that one. Sure. So pretty simple. Um, Jean and I really started InVenture the same year in 2015. Uh, that was a year where I joined uh, Axel in London and uh, Jean took the lead of, of Kima with, uh, with Xavier. And uh, that year we started uh, uh, very quickly. We met and, uh, and started working on uh, investment opportunities uh, together. And so over the years, we invested uh, in companies like Payfit uh, together. Uh, a bit later on, we invested in a company called Impala. And we, uh, I had this idea in mind uh, to um, set up a fund uh, which would be more focused on, on seed quite early on. And I tried to, we had the conversation quite a few times with Jean. And really this summer was the time when the timing was right. Wow, so there is actually quite a few years of backstory to this fund. <laughs> Super. 2018 to be exact. Yes. <laughs> uh, exactly when, so, so the thing with Pia is that she always decided to kind of uh, quit her job before exactly knowing what she would do afterwards, <laughs> which is very <laughs> courageous, uh, especially in VC because we're not very known for that. Um, and uh, when she decided to leave Axel, we had this discussion. It was in 2018, but uh, I didn't feel like it was the right time for us and 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 to 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 do that. And uh, we had this discussion again uh, last summer uh, at the same time when uh, when uh, Xavier, Alexandre, and Antoine were involved. Super. So wow, that's uh, that's quite something. And I guess it shows you shouldn't give up on an idea the first time. Um, the one. So you've just kind of hinted on this, but the one thing that I think also really stood out in your announcement when when it kind of was unveiled what you guys are working on um, was your incredible LPs. And you just mentioned some of them by first name, but I think we kind of, for our listeners, want to dive into a bit who these people are, who do you guys have as LPs, how have you brought them on board? Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the incredible LPs you have. So really the idea and the new wave was really born from uh, discussions initially that we had with the three uh, entrepreneurs that uh, Jean mentioned, so who are I can give the last names, Xavier Niel, who you know, uh, Antoine Martin, the founder of Zenly, and Alex Yazi, the founder of Voodoo. All of them are uh, very successful founders uh, at different stages of their companies, but have in common that they're still uh, CEOs uh, of their business. And so they are investing as angels on the side. Uh, they really um, all love doing it and have been pretty prolific. However, quite naturally, you know, when you, you invest in your CEO, you like to, you know, share ideas uh, and help entrepreneurs together. So the idea to, instead of uh, continuing to invest all alone, to team up uh, came pretty naturally. On our side, so Jean and I were really uh, more investors. 
Uh, however, given that we invest at seed stage, our job is also to you know, be super collaborative and invest alongside en entrepreneurs, find company through a discussion we have with founders. And also, I think for the entrepreneurs that we back, uh, offering them access to successful uh, founders uh, who inspire them and hopefully uh, who they can you know, become uh, as successful later on. Uh, came up yeah really naturally so that's really how new way started and after we had that group of three people we slowly uh, expanded the group now we have uh, 15 investors who are either very successful entrepreneurs or investors from uh, later stage funds investing individually in new wave and really when we expanded the group with 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 jean uh, the idea was say we want to um every every person uh, that we add to this group to um, we want to, to be able when COVID is over to if we say we organize to put them in the same room and to to be really happy to have uh, everyone uh, around in the same room. Wow, that's incredible! I didn't realize they were fifteen. Um, and so, exactly how big is the fund as well? How much have you guys raised? So to date, we have raised fifty-five million dollars, and um, in total, the fund will be roughly between eighty and one hundred million dollars. At the end. Super. And now I think you, you guys definitely mentioned in the beginning why it's called New Wave. You guys are looking for uh, this new generation of ambitious seed stage companies, kind of pan-European. Um, but really, let's dive into the investment thesis. What kind of companies should we expect you guys to fund? What kind of investments will you do? What's the check size, the geography? Um, kind of give me the whole, the whole big picture. So we are um, very generalist in terms of sector at Seed. We, we, we strongly believe that we, uh, John and I, just don't necessarily know which are the next sectors that are going to be uh, uh, disrupted. So our job is to find great founders. And if we know uh, about the sector, it's great. If we don't, our job is to learn uh, as fast as, uh, as possible. We, uh, that being said, we're really going to be focused on, on tech, top of the stack. So the, the, tech, the key sectors for us are consumer, SaaS, fintech. Um, Supply control marketplaces. And uh, when it comes to people, because it's always about market and people when we talk about uh, seed stage, especially. Um, so we're agnostic in terms of, uh, of market, but when it comes to people, we really want to back probably half of our portfolio will be composed of repeat entrepreneurs or very experienced operators um, or stellar founders. But it's more it's more difficult to find stellar founders at first sight because usually you detect them and you they make their way through uh, as they progress in their venture journey. We can see that with Schema Ventures. The number of companies that we have in the portfolio uh, in which we invested with, of course, conviction, but we could not know if they would really succeed. And we realized at the end that there were the outliers of the portfolio. It's something that is very difficult to, to do. And the job and our job at New Wave is not to kind of, uh, you know, throw a line in the water and expect to find those outliers. We want to back teams in which we have full confidence by the time we invest. 
So that that's super interesting because I think when you say serial entrepreneur, I think a lot of I mean we we know what that means, we know what what it looks like. Um, when you say experienced operators, I think we can also identify you know when someone has a lot of experience and domain expertise. Um, but having somebody who's going to make an excellent founder, uh, how do you how do you actually I, what are you looking for? What are you evaluating? <laughs> to meet the balance of paradoxical tension when you have a very strong leader what you always what you often find is that uh, they have those tensions that make them so special so for instance for a good entrepreneur if you if you talk about vision uh, knowledge and execution when it comes to vision you want someone who is an optimist because his only way for an entrepreneur to thrive through all the issues and and, and and things that we have to overcome. Um, when you, but the issue with optimism is that usually it, it 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 puts a filter on reality, and suddenly vision becomes delusion. So we want entrepreneurs who are optimistic, but at the same time very clairvoyant. You know, very very strong clarity of vision. Uh, when you talk about knowledge, of course, you want to back entrepreneurs who can read the best books uh, to learn about the best, uh, who can surround themselves with mentors, advisors, uh, coaches. But uh, if you only surround yourself with um, the best out there without taking any singular path or singular decision, how, how are you going to build something unique? So you want entrepreneurs who can actually you know, learn from the best, but at the same time, take those singular decisions. And when it comes to execution, it's very difficult because uh, it's always uh, a trade-off between excellence and velocity. And how do you mix that? Uh, when you go fast, usually you break things along the way. And when you're trying to kind of kind of craft this exceptional product, uh, it's at the expense of distributions and sales velocity. And often uh, the first-time founders are, are obsessed with product why we said that the second time founders are obsessed with distribution. There's a reason for that. It's that uh, usually, and, and I should not say that because uh, uh, we're talking about breaking things, but velocity wins over excellence. Um, so yeah, this uh, balance of paradoxical tension is something that uh, we're trying to assess along the way when, we, when we're speaking with those founders. Super. I, f I find that really fascinating. Also what you said about um, making kind of those singular decisions. I think that's that's something that we haven't actually heard uh, kind of verbalized like that before. So really, really great way to think about it. So I want to come back. You guys talked a little bit about your investment thesis. What What is the check size that you guys are doing? Um, so we want to be able to participate uh, either lead or co-lead, uh, pre-seed and seed. And so we think that the ticket range is going to be something between 500 thousand and two million euro checks super and have you guys done any investments to date uh, we have we have uh, closed two investments uh, which are going to be announced in the coming weeks Super. Well, I won't press you guys for details there. Thank um, you. <laughs> now, Jean, I want to I want to come back to um, to what this means for you and Kima because I think probably a lot of our listeners know this, but there may be people who don't know this. You're also a partner at Kima Ventures. Uh, how are the two going to work simultaneously? Well, that's a very good question. I think that many people have asked me that. Uh, we we have a rule with Xavier. Um, like we, we, we can start anything, we can add anything to to what we're doing as long as first we don't stop what we're already doing. 
and that what we're already doing is, uh, you know, doesn't suffer and, and probably even can be amplified with the new things that we are starting. With Xavier in 2015, when I joined Kima, we started to invest in larger deals, uh, larger tickets. Um, among them were Ivan first, Alan, Open Classroom, Payfit. Uh, Zenly was the first large checks that uh, that we wrote. Um, and basically, we were doing probably two or three deals a year as at Series A stage. But at the time, when you wanted to invest at Series A stage as a credit investor, you could invest two, three, four millions. It was fine. And now we realize that the Series A deals in France, in Europe, are closer to 10, 15, 20 millions sometimes. And this is not something that uh, I personally feel very comfortable with. And I like the, the seed stage. And um, so the only way for us to keep doing that was basically to invest smaller tickets, you know, in the range of one, two million, exactly what we're doing with New Wave. But it's not possible anymore to do that by yourself, you know, just like Xavier and I, uh, because you need to source all the deal flow from all over Europe. You need to engage with the entrepreneurs with the right discipline, with the right attitude, and uh, it's simply impossible by yourself. And so when when Pia came along with New Wave, it was just the ideal opportunity for us to team up. And um, but it doesn't change much, you know. I, we have always been investing with Schema Ventures and alongside those large tickets. So for me, it's uh, like business and days as usual. The only thing is that now we are a stronger team, a better team, I guess. With, um, and also with more discipline, because it's one thing that um, when people ask, you know, why you team up with someone, the reason why I like to work with PI and the reason why we teamed up, at least on my side, it's uh, because she brings that discipline uh, to me that uh, I don't find anywhere else. And that I think my intuition needs to be more acute uh, when it comes to make uh, investment decisions. Super. And so for what does that actually mean on like a day-to-day -day basis? Will you be half Kima, half New Wave? Or is there no, no, no real I'm split? I'm 100% everything. I'm 100% <laughs> entrepreneur-centric. You know? So 200%. The only thing is that you have this kind of people are like, so are you? Are we talking you know, about Kima or New Wave? You have those, uh, uh, you know, those, those, those questions. Um, so, so far, we I, I have... I didn't, I mean, for the past five years, we have invested those large tickets and I, I never found difficult to uh, to make a difference between the uh, Kima Ventures and the, the larger checks. And I don't find it difficult neither to do, to make a difference between New Wave and Kima Ventures. And uh, we have already engaged with entrepreneurs uh, in the name of New Wave uh, and, and, and didn't invest in those companies and invest with Kima Ventures. And it's going to, and it's going probably to be true the other way around as well. Super. So two hundred percent at work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, now I think. I mean, you both have incredible experience prior to this, but this is kind of the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that you're both kind of fund founders. Um, Pia, I wanted to specifically ask you, what has the experience been like for you? Well, quite a ride, I, I have to say. I, I. I... I feel like uh, I'm uh, learning in a even more accelerated way. I think uh, in general, the world of venture, and that's why I'm also in, in venture. It's because I love learning something new every day. 
when you're part of a, a big fund, you you mainly 90% focus on really on, on deal flow and finding great companies and talking with the entrepreneurs and then helping them. When you're a fund manager, well, you are also uh, focused on fundraising, managing the relationship with the investor, thinking about how to structure the fund, portfolio support, recruiting. Um, maybe a good opportunity to, to tell you that we are actively recruiting uh, right now uh, an investor to, to join our team. So, uh, so yes, it's really, really, really fulfilling. Wonderful. I was going to ask you guys about openings, but perfect that you got a chance to mention it. Um, and so now, actually, I want to kind of end on um, a little bit more of a broad note. So take a step back from uh, New Wave and actually talk more broadly about kind of the ecosystem and some things we're seeing. I feel like the French ecosystem is just blossoming with lots of new funds. I don't know if you guys share this uh, kind of feeling, but what what's going on in your opinion? Um, there is a lot of, of new funds. There is a, a lot of uh, a lot of money. I mean, lots of institutional money, lots of individual money. When you look at the stock markets right now, at crypto, just people who've had money have even more money to invest. So that's for sure. Um, for a long time, I think in Europe we didn't have enough money. So maybe uh, it's good that we have more more money. But I think what's even more important for the founders is to uh, look at uh, having uh, smart money. And I think that's what's really what we were focusing on also when we started New Wave is thinking we are also entrepreneurs ourselves raising money and we want to have smart money and we want to give smart money to the investors. I think money at the early stage is becoming really a, a commodity. And so founders just have the, the choice now to, to raise a, a really uh, smart money. Super. And I think we kind of want to end on a note that's, for once, not talking about COVID, but talking about the future. Um, so tell Thank me, <laughs> tell me, what are you guys expecting or hoping for uh, 2021? I think we, 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 we stopped expecting back in 2020. So Fair point. Uh, <laughs> what are you expecting, Pia, in 2021? We should have had this discussion at New Year's Eve. <laughs> no, I, I, I think like... Uh, uh, you know, venture and investing early stage, it's really a, um, a, something that I'm doing for also the, the people aspect uh, of it. It's about meeting founders. I think we're lucky in the sense that we can do everything by, by Zoom, but I still hope that by the end of 2021, we'll be able to uh, meet founders in which we, we invest uh, uh, in person. Super. I think that's a super note to end on because everybody probably shares that <laughs> vision with you. Uh, Pia Jean, it has been wonderful having you guys here and I wish you guys the best uh, with the new wave. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Roxanne. Cheers. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, make sure to give us many, many stars. And if you have any feedback or if you want to suggest a topic or a speaker, uh, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter or by email at press at stationf.co. And finally, make sure to follow us and not miss out on our next podcast episodes. We're available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Google Podcasts. All right. See you soon.